0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Bootstrap Founder Podcast. My name is Havit Kahl, and I talk about how you can start, run, and sell a bootstrap business. This episode is called Competition Isn't Always a Business. Let's get started. When founders do market research, they're well advised to look for competition. But many entrepreneurs have a very limited understanding of what competition actually means, and therefore they overlook many interesting but often critical, competitors in their chosen markets. It usually goes like this. The founder spots a niche in the market they're interested in, then they start looking into the viability of building a business, and one of the first things they look for is competition. And to many founders, that means businesses just like the one they're planning to build. A founder of a software-as-a-service business looks for other SaaS companies offering similar things. A writer looks for other books on the subject, you know, and so on. They're looking for the things they know, the solutions that come to mind most readily. But that's not enough. I was introduced to the concept of competitive alternatives by reading April Dunford's book, Obviously Awesome. In her book on positioning, she points out that not all competitors will look like you. And you shouldn't be looking at similar solutions, but all the things that people use to solve the underlying problems. Let's say you're building a SaaS for online English teachers who need to write student feedback multiple times a day. You join the communities, and you learn that there are two existing competing SaaS products in the market, serving a couple of thousand teachers from two or three particular online schools. Most founders stop there. They see the competition and they decide what to build from looking at these two existing products. Why am I talking about online teachers? Well, it's because we did this research. Before we built Feedback Panda. An online teacher productivity SaaS that my partner Danielle and I bootstrapped to $55,000 monthly recurring revenue before we sold the business back in 2019. We tried very hard to make sure to know all competitive alternatives in the market before we committed to building a business in it. In terms of actual competitors, we saw a few comment bank products that had products that looked like they were from the 90s, like the interfaces were hilariously old. Anything would have been better than those. But leaving it at this would have been a fatal assumption for us. So let's examine the landscape of actual competitive alternatives in the online teaching space as our research allowed us to discover back then, just as an example of how this can be done. Here's the most threatening competitor that we found. Spreadsheets. That's right. Good old boring Excel and Google Sheets. Teachers will have created clunky but somewhat workable self-built solutions to be more efficient. That's what we found. And after all, these tools, particularly the Google tools, they were free, and they still are. And the results of those custom solutions are a good enough improvement over the status quo for those teachers to have invested a lot of time into their systems. And you'll find stuff like this in all industries. People are just figuring it out using the tools they already know. Sometimes those tools aren't even tools at all. When there are no solutions to a problem, people will resort to doing the work manually without any tools. And for online teachers, that meant that they're trying to the same student feedback over and over again just writing it by hand, just using different names for different students. It's tedious work, but it gets the job done. Until it's too tedious. And then people start looking for ways of speeding up the process and they build stuff. Until people recognize that they even have a problem, pen and paper will very likely be your competitor. And for those customers, you'll have to do a lot of educational work to even get them to consider using your product. It may sound counterintuitive, but when people need to be told that they have a problem, getting them to use your solution requires a lot more work than selling it to those who are already looking for it. Even though the former group would benefit most from using it, because it would solve A lot of problems for them that they aren't even aware of. Just they don't know. And they often don't want to know. Never discount people's willingness to solve their own problems, even when it holds them back. Because the human ego works in mysterious ways. And it's definitely affecting those kind of choices in terms of how people perceive themselves and their efficiency and their work. It all becomes an identity thing. And that is problematic. In addition, some industries are really price-sensitive, and online teaching sure is one of those industries. People go out of their way to get stuff for free. In fact, they even collaborate and exchange information with each other for free. And we noticed that, too. In our research, we found that online teachers had already developed a shared Google Sheet where they would exchange templates with each other for free. So that's another free competitor, and a collaborative one, at that, too. And this particular one, influenced our product design significantly. Because we weren't just in competition with the two old-timey comment bank software products, we were actually competing with Google Sheets, both for individual use, for each teacher, and as a collaborative template archive. Consequentially, our product needed to work at least as well as those two systems. And knowing that allowed us to build a much more user-friendly data input flow And what we then called the Feedback Panda Cloud, a template sharing system with ratings, a teacher-specific automation that Google couldn't provide because it wasn't part of their product. If we had built a product without considering these non-obvious competitive alternatives, I'm not sure we would have had the success that we've seen. So look for the wobbly systems that people have built for themselves. Do you see a lot of open source tools cobbled together? A lot of free tier no-code tools glued together? Can you find generic tools being applied to specific tasks? All of those. And the resources explaining how to use them are competitors. Look for how people in your industry use notepads and sticky notes. These are the real-world reflections of processes that have worked well enough for your prospective customers so far. If you get a chance to observe and ask them about those hacks, which sticky notes often are, you'll learn a lot about their critical problems and priorities. And if you're already running a business, there are two ways for you to learn about competitive alternatives. The first one is to ask your current customers what they've used before they found your service. What have they tried and what failed, what didn't work? How did the current workflow into which your product seems to fit well enough for them to use it come to be? And the second option would be to ask your churned customers, those who stopped using your product, what other solution they will be using in the future. What alternatives did they choose from? And how could you have retained them? What is it that you lack? Both those exit interviews and customer surveys are a reliable way of learning more about the current landscape. After all, you may have been building your business for a while and new competitors may have snuck in without you noticing. And those exit interviews will be hard because nobody wants to talk about negative stuff. So try encouraging churned customers with a final gift, like a gift card or something, to chat candidly with you. Frame this as an opportunity to make this better for other people. Tell them that they can help to make sure that no one else runs into this problem ever again. So frame it as a collective benign act, not as a a negative thing, like an exit interview. Don't call it that. Just give people the opportunity to help others. And one thing about talking to customers, if you get to speak to them, try to figure out how you can change your positioning as to accomplish these two things now. First is to not attract them anymore as customers who churn quickly, right? So not to attract more of those customers and then to attract more customers who have high retention and are a good fit. So anytime you talk to somebody, try to figure out how you can avoid getting the wrong people and how you can actually encourage finding the right customers and what would be a message that appeals to them and what would be a message to scare away those who don't want to see as customers. Positioning is an essential part of getting a business right. And it's also something that you can and will change over time. So be prepared to think about your positioning whenever you talk to your customers. Knowing your competitive alternatives and how your prospects and customers relate to them will allow you to be as sure as possible regarding what you offer and how you talk about it. Understanding that your competition isn't just made up of businesses like yours, will allow you to build the most informed product possible. And that's it for today. Thank you for listening to the Bootstrap Founder Podcast. You can find me on Twitter at arvidkahl, A-R-V-I-D-K-A-H-L. And you can check out the blog at thebootstrappedfounder.com. You can find my book Zero to Sold at zerotosold.com and The Embedded Entrepreneur at embeddedentrepreneur.com. If you have any questions about this episode, reach out on Twitter or send an email to arvid at you want to support me and the Bootstrap Founder Podcast, please leave a rating and a review by going to ratethispodcast.com. Thank you very much for listening and have a wonderful day. Bye-bye.